Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our text from Ephesians, we see Paul writing about practices that are dividing the church. Walls have been set up to keep people in place so people can remain comfortable. They also keep people from true faith. The idea of walls goes back to the Old Testament. God placed figurative walls around his chosen people to protect them from harm. They were his, and he had a purpose in them ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were chosen and special, even though it was often hard to see due to the misfortunes they endured. Even so, God always kept a remnant through which he would fulfill his promise. His walls had a purpose. The Israelites were to be separate from the Gentiles. One wall was that they were not to intermarry them in order to keep themselves pure. This extended to their worship where God-fearing Gentiles were afforded a place in the temple, but it was on the other side of a wall. Only the holy ones could pass through the gate into the court of Israel. Any Gentile that dare pass through would be killed, and they knew it. A stone warning of this was recovered from the site of the temple, and Josephus records it in his Antiquities. In Ephesians, we see Paul telling the Gentiles that the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles has been torn down, and that they should not give in to the demands of the Jews claiming to be of Christ. Demands that, as Gentiles, they too should keep the dietary, festival, and circumcision demands of the Jewish law in order to be Christians. The wall of the law that had been put in place by God's righteous demands that separated Jews and Gentiles had been destroyed by Christ, though. No wall existed. But the devil puts up walls with false teaching that lead to unbelief and lack of trust in what God has done through Christ. It was a first commandment problem. They were to fear, love, and trust God above all things, not place their trust in their ability to keep the law. But God could simply allow Gentiles to benefit from the salvation promised to the Jews was hard to swallow. Old ways were hard to change, and there was a measure of fear over the newcomers that in light of the new covenant of grace, had come after hearing Paul share the good news with them. But grace and mercy had been shown in their time. Look at the feeding of the 5,000 recorded in Mark's gospel. Here, too, were walls that had to be removed, walls made of doubt and fear versus trusting in God to richly supply. The devil put these walls up around us to take our eyes off Christ. We are wont to worry about all manner of things. In our own congregation, there's probably a certain amount of worry over our not having a senior pastor in place at this time. What are we going to do? How long will it take for the call committee to come forth with a new list of names? Who are these guys on the list anyway? We seem to know so little, and our assistant pastor. He is not as capable as our senior pastor was. It is true. I'm not. I do not have 35 or so plus years in public ministry. But even churches with long-time leadership struggle with fears. 
How on earth can we start a program like that? Pick one. Or there will be risks in reaching out to those people. Many churches have AA meetings. What about help for families struggling with opioid addiction or help for their kids? I am not saying we should, but look at the fear such an idea can bring to mind. A daycare or preschool expansion might be a piece of cake by comparison. But worry is nothing new. In Mark's gospel, Jesus' disciples returned from being sent out and, give, and gave the report of all they had done and taught. And Jesus urges them to come away to a desolate place and rest for a while. He recognized their fatigue. Many undoubtedly, having heard of what they had done, came wanting the same for themselves, making it so they had no leisure, not even time to eat. So Jesus takes them away by boat, but they are followed. And we are told some of the people get to this desolate place before they did. They run around the edge of the lake and beat them to their landing point on the shore. The masses swell to number 5,000 men. And Jesus sees them, has compassion, and begins to teach them. Why teach? They are tired and need rest. But he teaches because they're like sheep without a shepherd, afraid, longing, with no one to lead them. The disciples, later realizing the hour, probably between noon and 3 p.m., advise it would be a good time to dismiss them so they could all go find Cracker Barrel or other source of food. Jesus tells them, you give them something to eat. Really? Look at the numbers. 5,000 men plus the women and children. If they don't eat, there could be trouble. These people are looking for some leadership. Some of them had probably been following John the Baptist. He's now dead. They are looking for the one he spoke of. Walls are going up, doubt and fear. They asked Jesus, should we go and buy about half a year's wages worth of bread to feed them? That's the amount of money they were talking about. How many loaves do you have? Was the question. They checked and the report was five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to sit in groups on the green grass. Imagine how this must look. Have you ever been to Connor Prairie? Symphony on the Prairie on the 4th of July for their concerts. It may have looked something like that. The lush green grass and people spread out in groups of 100 or 50, the bright colors of their clothing creating an almost festive scene, but no food. We are not told why there was no food. Did they simply run in haste to follow the boat and did not think about provisions? We don't know. We do know it was becoming an issue of concern for the disciples. Jesus takes the loaves and two fishes, not even enough for the twelve, and he prays. The disciples see the scene I just described of all the people and cannot imagine how or what will happen. But Jesus prays. He takes the loaves and fish, and he looks up to heaven. And in his compassion for them, he prays to his Father to feed them. And he begins breaking the bread and handing it to them. In this, he sees all the disciples see. 
But he also knows and sees the future. The breaking of the bread at Passover, where they are likely headed. The breaking of his body on the cross and the giving of his body and blood in the sacrament he would soon initiate with the promise to be with them always as they ate his body and drank his blood. The disciples saw five loaves, two fish, 5,000 plus people, and no hope of feeding them. Jesus saw suffering and had mercy, teaching them many things. He then looked to his Father in heaven, who would not only feed them that day, but soon with the sacrifice of his Son for the forgiveness of sins. The disciples could not see what was coming. They could not even look back just days to their success or remember that their names were recorded in the Lamb's book of life. 5,000 people, how much bread? Five loaves, two fishes. Walls went up, and they lost sight of all that was going on as they were with Jesus. I remember as a kid living on Long Island going to Manhattan on Saturdays with my dad. We'd go to his office, and I guess mom had had enough of me during the week. Go with your father. He would feed me. I remember a coffee counter where he would buy me a glazed donut that was literally as big as my face. My face was smaller. I also remember walls. There were walls around construction sites. The sites were big holes with all kinds of activity where the foundations of skyscrapers were being planted. There were small portholes, types of holes on occasion, where one was low enough for me to look through and get a small glimpse of what was going on. Mostly, the walls were just in the way. Sidewalks were blocked off, crosswalks were unusable, and you had to stay on your side of the wall with a plywood roof overhead to protect you from, I guess, small falling hammers and the like. Then one weekend, the walls would come down, and you could see the new thing that was going up, new and bright. The walls the Jews historically worshiped behind before Jesus' incarnation served a purpose. God's plan was underway, it was under construction, and he was preserving a way of salvation for all. Even as he protected the Jews as his people on one side of the wall, he made a place for the Gentiles to be near, safely on the other side of the wall, where they could fear, love, and trust in God. John the Baptist began chipping away at that wall, calling, to re- calling all to repent as the kingdom of God was near. Then Jesus enters the water and begins a ministry of teaching, healing the sick, and showing mercy like a good shepherd. He called out like the Baptist did those who were no shepherds at all, the religious leaders of the Jews who stood behind the wall looking out for themselves, trusting in themselves to keep the law of Moses versus feeding his sheep. The wall came down as the new building was raised. It was Christ on the cross raised to glory crucified for our sins. Christ died for your sins and for mine. He tore down the wall that separated us from God by taking upon himself the punishment we deserved. And he was raised to glory on the third day, and we are saved, justified by grace through faith in Christ. And his tearing down the wall that sin, fear, and doubt placed between us and God. It was a wall the devil would love to have us believe still exists. That is why we do maintain one wall, 
the wall that protects this wonderful Christian doctrine that teaches justification by grace through faith. We are not good at keeping the law, but Christ did it perfectly and draws sinners to himself to be fed and nourished in word and sacrament so we can, love, so we can live with a loving fear, love, and trust of God, our gracious Heavenly Father. There will be times, things, and people that God will place next to and before us that may cause us to want to build walls to protect ourselves. But God protects us through faith in Christ, and we are to share that with those around us, doing the uncomfortable work of preaching the law and showing them their sin, while at the same time having compassion and mercy, just as Christ has had on all of us imperfect sinners. We must always proclaim Christ and Him crucified for the forgiveness of sins and ignore all other walls, because Christ has torn them down by His blood. Amen. And now may this peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.